0: It's Alumni Weekend at Citizens Bank Park. Almost the entire 2008 Philadelphia Phillies world champion roster is in town. They'll celebrate 10 years, and we'll talk 2008 Phillies with Brett Myers. We'll also break down some of our favorite memories from the 2008 squad on this very special episode 49 of Phillies Nation. Welcome to this very special edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. This is episode 49, and I'm your host, Frank Close. But more importantly than being episode 49, this is the 10-year reunion of the Philadelphia Phillies world champion victory. And this week's podcast comes to you a couple days early, and we are doing so to celebrate as the Phillies celebrate this week weekend. You know, when I think back about 2008, and and we'll break this down, Tim Kelly and I are going to talk about our top five moments of the World Series victory. But I will say this, I don't remember a time in this city before that. Now certainly things changed because we had another World Championship just a few months ago, but people walking around so happy. So much Philly's red being worn after that. Everybody happy. Brought a lot of people together. Lots of good times. Lots of great friends. Lots of celebrating at Frankfurt and Copman, of course, if you're from the Northeast or, or many of the other locations where everybody went out and celebrated. But really, just a great, great summary of what it's like to bring people together. Nothing else mattered except we were Philadelphians. And the Phillies won the World Series. And now we're pleased to be joined by one of those 2008 world champion Phillies, Mr. Brett Myers. Brett, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Doing great.
0: Hey, well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to us today. And, and this is a big day for you, not just because of the 2008 reunion, but you also have a new single out which I'm really eager to talk about. But um, before we get to let's just talk for a couple minutes about uh, that season that you're in Philadelphia to celebrate, the 2008 World Series champion. So uh, before we kind of break down a couple little things, what was your biggest memory from that whole year?
1: Well, as most people know, I really struggled the first part of the year. And, um, you know, I was getting beat up pretty good and, and uh, had a terrible ERA and, and uh, wasn't helping the team at all um so uh you know i got sent to the minors and uh you know i basically went down for 20 something days or whatever and, and uh had to relearn how to pitch again or how to start and everything and uh i guess you would call it maybe a mental break but um it um uh, that that's one of the main things that i take from that whole season because when i when i came back the guys um and it wasn't me it was more or less the atmosphere when I came back of how how the guys um, got us in that situation that we were chasing a pennant and stuff like that, and having them push me a little bit harder and stuff really made it a lot easier for my transition to come back and be able to um, excel and and uh, help the team as as much as possible. And it, it was it for me it, the 2008. Year, and, and even the years before then when it led up to 2008 2009 was we really built like team chemistry and I think that's exactly what what happened to us and' that's, and that's what good teams have. Um, good chemistry and that's what it takes to win.
0: Now, 2007, the famous image of you throwing your glove in the air as you clinched a playoff spot. Now, the club ultimately got eliminated quickly. So when you came to camp in 2008, were you expecting to one-up the 2007 season?
1: 100%. We were all, we were all irritated with the way that 2007 uh, ended. I mean, I'm going to out, go out on lemon to say we were pissed off, you know, um, because we knew we were better than that. And uh, I think uh, for me, I, I think I might have said it uh, back then that we got caught up in the moment and we were uh, not expecting what really happened. Um, we we just kind of went through it, went through it, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that anybody laid down or anything, but I just I think we were a younger team and we we we've were so close for the years before 07. And then we finally made it and then we got there. But once we experienced that in 07, it was game on. We we knew what it took after O seven to win every single day. And we were challenged that year. We were challenged in O seven um with the Mets and uh we, we won the last day, you know, so we were fighting I don't I don't remember how many games we were down, maybe twelve, thirteen, I don't I don't am not quite sure what the actual number is, but we were down um a lot of games with like 15 days to go or something, you know, it was something crazy like that and ended up winning the division. So that might've taken a lot out of us, you know? And, uh, but in 08, we knew what we had to do. And we'd already been there. We'd already tasted the playoffs and seen what the city of Philadelphia brings and the energy that they bring. And we wanted, we knew coming in that we were the team to beat. I mean, Jimmy said it, we were all talking about it, but he said it.
0: So when Jimmy made that comment to, to some reporters, did, did the team know he said that, or was that something you found out about later?
1: We, well, we, normally we talk about it as, amongst ourselves and stuff like that. We didn't expect him to come out and just say, yeah, yeah, you know where the team would be. But, you know, Jimmy was that, that flamboyant player that would just, you know what, he believed it. We all believed it. We knew we we knew we had what it, what it took. But we, we just had to put it together on the field. And 162 games is a lot of games to play in a year. And it's it's a grind. It's a grind. And I know it was for me in 08. I mean, I absolutely was the worst player on that team for the first half of the season. And I was sitting back, and I just I couldn't take it. You know, I couldn't take the fact that I was not helping the team. And we um, collectively made a decision that – I needed to go and go to the minor leagues and and, uh, get better. And, um, you know, and and we made some key accusations, uh, you know, with Joe Blanton and and stuff like that and that really solidified our rotation. And when he got there, it was me and him were competing, and we became best friends, and we were basically the new guys. Me and him were the new guys because I was in the minors for the last – 25 days or 20 something days so it was it was a it was a crazy time and i i wouldn't have i couldn't have scripted it any better for myself because it it really made my season that much more enjoying to get that ring because i know how hard i had to work to get back to the big leagues and and you know they they didn't have to call me back up they didn't have to they could have just you know replaced me or whatnot you know and I knew how hard I had to work to get back to that point. And then the team accepted me right back, like, "All right, let's go. We're ready to go." And and I started pitching real, pretty, you know, really well um, to the second half. And and because uh, I I don't know, I just I, I just felt the team the team brought me along, you know, all those guys in that clubhouse and everything. Like we we just we got along, and we it, it was it, not that we hung out with each other every single night. Some of us might not have liked each other a little bit, but it doesn't matter. That's what good team—they have that good teams. But they they pushed me, my performance-wise, and I think we all pushed each other, and we, the end result was winning a, winning a world championship.
0: Now, one of the more memorable moments of that 2008 playoff run was one where you got to bat against CC C. Sabathia, <laughs> and <laughs> so why don't you tell you know, us a little funny. bit about that at bat?
1: Well, it's funny. Everybody remembers me for that at bat and I I think I batted like 067 that year. I was terrible plate. Now, in high school I used to be a pretty dang good hitter. You know, I was I was I was a good hitter in high school but some years I had good hit and some years I didn't. See if I hit good in high school it means I pitched terribly. So but it, unfortunately unfortunately for us, I actually hit good that game and I actually pitched good, which was kinda of strange for me, but but everybody talks about that at bat and everything and I love it. Like I, I I had no expectations going up in that at bat for what happened. You know? It was kinda like whatever, this guy's the best pitcher in baseball right now. I think it's second half, he had like a eleven and two record and threw seven complete games. I just, and it was on sports the same night with C C S and dominating and I'm I'm going into it going, Oh I don't even think I'll foul one off. He's throwing ninety seven at me and everything. But I will tell you what the playoffs do to you. They will lock you in. Like you will get more adrenaline and you'll become a better player. And that's how you see some of these guys, these um unsung heroes of of uh the playoffs and the World Series and stuff like that. I see that more often um because the adrenaline and everything. They you elevate your game a little bit. And CC was nasty that night. I got—I would say that I got lucky. I mean, CC is one of the best pitchers in baseball still. He's still going. And um, but that night, his ball looked like a beach ball to me. You know, it just—I I just knew everything he was gonna throw, and it just—it did—it worked out. You know.
0: And for the record, you did fell one off there. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, of course, that led to the famous Shane Victorino Grand Slam, which so all part of that sequence in that in that playoff game to make Harry Callis famously say "See you later, CC." So, yeah. So uh, let's let's talk for a, a quick second then about when you knew you were going to win. Or like, was there a moment during the World Series that you knew that that ring was yours?
2: Uh, I don't know
1: because I mean it's baseball it's unpredictable you know and uh if if you actually sit down if you sit too early you know like they talk about baseball gods and stuff like that so if if you say it in your mind that you that it's going to happen then usually it doesn't happen you know so there was never a confident moment that that we were going to win it you know I knew, I knew we were up there was a lot of things you can look back on that fans might have looked at but as a player now I we never I don't think we were ever satisfied until it was over you know and we never got too high and we never got too low I mean after every series we won yes we had a celebration and we were having a good time we we're on to the next one but we knew that coming to the field the next day we had to get back to work so there was never and that's that's just my philosophy, my, and that's what I gathered from the team, you know, and what I saw and how we all work together. And, and that's, that's what teams do. That's what I watched the Eagles do. They all work together. didn't matter who was quarterback, you know, they ended up winning the thing with the backup quarterback because they all trusted each other. And that's, that's what, that's what good teams do.
0: Now, one thing I'll use to segue to your music career, so uh, that season began with, with your involvement on a practical joke with uh, Kyle Kendrick, huh? so very famously. And, you know, when I listen to your music, you know, there seems to be a blend of, of what's well, good music and, and a blend of of country and even your sense of humor a little bit seems to come out in your music. So uh, I know you like to say on social media that you're a little bit different than the traditional yeah. country country singer. Uh, so what would you say is your approach to your music uh, that you um, take in general?
1: My approach to the, to the music is, is uh, I, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to tell a story about things that I see, things that happen to me, things, certain things like that. I want to be as real as possible. I want people to relate to the music. I want people to be able to go, oh, he's exactly right, and instead of writing cliches down all the time. You know the same thing with like when I had to go with like reporters and stuff, like and they talked talk to us when we were younger uh, fillies coming up, you know, and, and saying, hey, you know, if somebody asks you this, just give them a cliche and they'll they'll go away. And I'm and I'm like, but no, I want I want them to know who I am, like I want to voice my opinion, and I never really was able to do that and uh, voice uh, who I am to people, and my music allows me to do that. It allows me to say certain things and this is just this is me this is this is what it is you know there's a certain concepts that i come up with and everything like that and uh you know it's just, it's just fun it's a fun project to do I'm really enjoying doing it and i'm enjoying the fact that people actually like the music that i'm putting out
0: so i noticed you're doing some live shows they're mostly still down in Florida. I- uh, any right. chance that you might come up and do a show in Philly?
1: Oh, my God. I've been working for two years trying to get up there. That is my number one goal right now is to play a show in Philadelphia. That is my number one goal. I've talked to a lot of people to play up there, and they have, uh, you know, offered me stuff, but it's got to be worth my while if I'm going to drive up there and, and everything. Like, I'll come up and do it for nothing, but i got to pay my band, you know, and that that's 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 the hardest part is what people don't understand is like look i'll do it for nothing but i need my band with me to make it happen i just can't get up there and go solo you know i, I can't play the drums the guitar and the bass and and uh, everything and you know i look like one of those guys on the side of the states in new york you know <laughs> playing all this i don't think i could do that you know hopefully uh,
0: hopefully someday we can make that work out for you up here in philly i'm sure the fans would love to hear you now now today is the release of your new song breakup song now uh i thought i saw somebody say on twitter like is it a coincidence that today is the day that you are releasing the song uh coinciding with this this alumni weekend and world series reunion or was this was this something that you planned on purpose
1: of course i planned it on purpose (laughs) i mean that's that's what marketing people do you know like when you market so so if you involve it around something else my music's not like absolutely it's not huge you know but i do have a following um but it's um it was one of those things where i was like you know i need something to talk about in case i do get in front of a camera and people ask me what i'm doing these days or something well you know what i just released a new uh, single yesterday or today you know or whatever you know something like that because I have gotten those situations before like well what are you doing now well nothing I released an album a month and two months ago I mean but when you say that people are like well no they want what's hot right now so I absolutely wanted to release this on this weekend and um, just so um, I want I, I and then this, I really think it's one of the best songs I've ever done um, I think uh, and I'm very excited, excited about uh, this song coming out and, and um, I hope everybody loves it. I mean, it has the, it's it's called Up Song, but it's and it's about like every country song you hear is about this one girl that they're like they are in love with, you know. So I want to do the complete opposite and write a song about breaking up with that girl that everybody's in love with.
0: So what's your influence for this song? Because I, you know, I listen to, to, to your song, and I, I hear a little bit of some late 90s rock in addition to your little country. So what, 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 who would you say is your influence for this style?
1: Well, my, there's no doubt about it I'm a Hugh Skinner's fan. I'm, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. And that's where Skinner originated, and I'm a huge Southern rock fan. We're about to do a show we're going to open for Molly Hatchett, who's another Southern rock band, huge Southern rock band. And uh, it's that's just I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going towards, you know, and that's what I've tried to make my music towards. And, and when I first started, I didn't really know a direction that I wanted to go in. So the first three albums and everything was songs they were bouncing all around it wasn't kind of it wasn't like a set tone like oh this is this guy but now i feel that i'm coming into my own and this is what we want to do to be a little bit more edgy southern rock slash country style because the music the style of music that i grew up listening to was the southern rock and i've always had this image of making my music just a little bit heavier rock than theirs, because I've, I've been a metalhead before, you know, you play, you play, uh, you play baseball and stuff, you need something to get you fired up or get you, you know, ready to go, you know, and there's, a, there's always that one song that comes on and you're like, that's it, all right, I'm ready, you know, so, so that's, that's uh, basically my inspiration is that I love big guitars, I play guitar, I love guitar, you know, I love, I love the, the heavier southern rock stuff and that's that's basically we're trying to come into our own right now and and uh, you know make this thing happen and hopefully people like it
0: so before we go can you tell everybody where to go buy breakup song
1: you can go anywhere to any digital outlet it's on google play it's on amazon it's on spotify it's on itunes it's it's everywhere that you you can get your music digitally and um and you, or you can go to brettmyers and check out some of my music videos and stuff like that, or my YouTube channel. And we we got we got a lot of stuff going on, and we're, we're trying to uh, keep pushing this thing out there. And, and the only thing, the only way to make this thing happen is with the fans and and creating awareness.
0: And we will also put a link on our website to make sure that fans can find it nice and easy. Brett, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Brett Myers, everybody, and this is his new single, Breakup Song. Just a quick little sample as we transition to our next segment. And by the way, he has opened for other big names. You might know the name Uncle Cracker. I know he had the big hit, Follow Me, but but down there in, in Florida, he did open for Uncle Cracker. So... So Brett Myers is a legit music act, and and his fans down there look—they're they're real music fans, right? So the ones up here in Philly, they want to see Brett Myers, the former Philadelphia World Champion. But down there, you know, he's he's getting he's getting street cred just for his just for his music. And to talk about our top 2008 Philadelphia Phillies World Series memories, we welcome Tim Kelly to the show. What's up, Tim?
2: What's going on, Frank? It's an exciting weekend, alumni weekend. Can't believe it's been 10 years already, but it has. And uh, certainly will be a fun weekend to look back down memory lane.
0: And for us to look down memory lane, what we decided to do was we're going to look at Tim's top five moments uh, from that season. And and I'll get a chance to tell you how I would have picked it differently if if we don't agree, or maybe uh, think about some of my own memories that might not have been Tim. So so what we'll do is we'll go down we'll go down five through one and get to your your top moment and and see how we stack up. So Tim, what do you have for your fifth best moment of the two thousand eight run?
2: So a number five is going to be the Joe Blanton home run. Think about this, Joe Blanton. Besides the fact that he had a 106 career batting average, he hit zero home runs in the regular season in his career, had only six RBIs total for his career. Jeremy Frank, who's at random MLB stats on Twitter, would definitely recommend following him. He pointed it out perfectly. Joe Blanton, with that one swing, has more World Series home runs than Ted Williams, who most people consider to be the greatest pure hitter that's ever played in the game so uh it, it was just an amazing moment and it's kind of one of those moments where you thought this is really going to happen isn't it
0: funny personal side note there uh, you know I almost didn't marry my wife because of that night because uh, her, her family was having a big Halloween party where they planned not to show the game. And, and, and no, I did not go to the party. <laughs> so it's uh, so I, I do remember exactly where I was, not with her there, and uh, watching Joe Blanton hit that home run. So, uh, But it all worked out both ways, right? Because the Phillies won the World Series and I did marry my wife <laughs> the following year. So, uh, so yeah, that definitely is a great moment. And I think Joe Blanton will always best be remembered for that particular moment of his career and and it's funny too because we were just talking last week about how that was a little move it wasn't getting cc sabathia where the phillies fell short of trying to acquire him but the phillies get joe blanton down the stretch and as we just heard brett meyer say became best friends almost on the team and and they fit right in together and the rest is history so what do you have for number four
2: at number four, then, I'm going to go with the clinching play in the second-to-last game of the 2008 regular season that clinched the National League East. Brad Lynch had been perfect all year, but throughout the course of his career, he had the tendency to have things go south rather quickly. We saw in 2009, we saw when he was with him, uh, Houston after the Albert Pujols home run. So he was facing Ryan Zimmerman, who was one of the very best players to ever play in the Nats or Expos uh, organization. And he got a ground ball that went 6-4-3 from the greatest shortstop in Philly's history to the greatest second baseman in Philly's history to the greatest first baseman in Philly's history. And the celebration after that, I remember watching uh, the 2008 video yearbook where Jimmy Rollins kind of talking about the celebration was a lot more low-key, but that was, or it might have been Brad Lidge. One of them was talking about it. Obviously, Lidge wasn't on the 2017, but he had seen it nonetheless. And they were talking about how it was still a celebration, but it was kind of saying this is the first step. Like In 2007, when that moment happened, that was the first time in my lifetime that the Phillies had made the playoffs, the first time in 15 years for uh, many people that uh, the Phillies had made the playoffs. So it was like the Phillies won the World Series. They got swept by the Rockies. They came back the next year, had this moment, and instead it was kind of this is the first of many. But it, it was crazy the way it went down, and then afterwards, uh, everyone remembers Charlie Manuel stepping out and saying, "Believe me, we're going to go a lot further than we went last year. We want to win a World Series. It wasn't. We want to win a playoff series. It was. We want to win the World Series uh, in Philadelphia and bring it back to Philadelphia."
0: Yeah, and as we heard, Brett Myers just sum it up so nicely. You know, the Phillies, they they were eager to celebrate, but and they and they had fun, but they they did not want to uh, let embellish on that celebration each time they were ready to rock and roll the next day as he said so what do you have for three
2: okay so at number three I'm going to combine two Chase Utley moments um the one is obvious the one I think is a little less obvious but both times Chase Utley played in the World Series with the Phillies he uh hit a home run early in game one uh in 2008 it was in the first inning of game one he uh, it was kind of one of those shots where you hit it off the bat, but you're not a 1,000% sure if it was going to get out of the stadium. It got out of the stadium. And it was kind of uh, one of those moments where you set the tone for an entire series. The Phillies were not the odds-on favorite to win those series. The Tampa Bay Rays had been because they'd beaten the Boston Red Sox, who many people, myself included, think were the most talented team that year and were the defending World Series champions. So they had won that. They had a very good young pitching staff. Um, and a lot of people felt coming in the series that the Rays were the favorite. Chase Eldley stepped in in the top of the first, hit a home run to right field, and then obviously the second moment I'm going to combine is the throw home in Game 5 of the World Series to get Jason Bartlett. Uh, His play where he uh, takes an extra base that Harry Cowell says, Chase Eldley, you were the man the first time in Atlanta, that's probably the most memorable play of his career, but this would have to be number two, and it's one of the most iconic plays in Philly's history because it was in part one of what turned out to be uh, the clinching game of the World Series.
0: And yes, certainly just shows what type of player Chase Utley is. He, he just seemed to get into the Rays' head, uh, you know, and, and once once they've deked them there, like the Rays, I thought I thought they just felt like they were defeated. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, about, about the same way. Obviously, you ended up with a 48-hour delay in between part one and part two, of Game 5 of the World Series, but I think it has become one of those series where it was evident that the Phillies were ready to seize this moment and they were the team that was going to win the series. I don't think in terms of talent, the two teams were that far off. I think the Phillies had better positional talent in that World Series, but you look back at that raised bullpen and they were loaded, and that, that says nothing of the starting rotation that James Shields and Matt Garza and uh, Jason Hamill... So, they had a lot going for them. The Phillies had more experience having been in the playoffs the season before and in pennant races for years prior to that, and they had seized the moment.
0: And, of course, you mentioned the bullpen. That was David Price's rookie year, so he kind of came up as a reliever because they saw, you know, of course David Price went on to be a tremendous ace for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, but that's, that year the rotation was James Shields in his prime, Andy Sonnenstein, Matt Garza, also a very good pitcher, Edwin Jackson had had his career year then, and Casimir too, right? Who was famously traded from the New York Mets to the Rays for Victor Zambrano. So they had a pretty good rotation, and when you throw a, a talent like like David Price into the bullpen there, uh, what a what a uh, uh, difference he made! And and certainly yes, Jason Jason Hamill was there, kind of probably pitching in relief in the bu- in the uh, the the playoffs there as well, and they even had. Uh, the likes of Chad Bradford, if you remember him, and uh, and and also Trevor Miller uh, was a nice pitcher, Grant Ball 4, Dan Wheeler, J.P. Howell, and, and they even had Troy Percival. Remember Troy Percival, the longtime <laughs> Angels closer? So they really were.
2: You mean you don't remember him as a Detroit Tiger?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was, uh, I believe, that was when uh, Percival closed his... Oh, sorry, he stayed one more year for a few games, but... But that was his last full season in the major leagues, and and yeah, definitely a, a tough tough uh, opponent uh, in the Rays, thanks to their pitching. So, so what do you have next?
2: Number two, one another, probably the most iconic inning. Although the the number one moment could certainly uh, give a run for that. Uh, this will be game two of the NLPS, the second inning facing CC Sabathia. Who, Frank? I don't know about you, but Second half of the 2008 season after C.C. Sabathia was traded from the Indians to the Milwaukee Brewers, I've never seen someone be more of a horse for a team. We've seen great second half from guys like Jake Arrieta when he's with the Cubs in 2015, some historic season. But C.C. Sabathia felt like every start was going eight or nine innings that willed the Brewers into the playoffs that year. And then uh, he ran out of gas in that second inning. Brett Myers worked. A long walk. Obviously, I'm sure you just talked about that with Brett. And then Shane Victorino stepped up later in the inning and hit a grand slam, which uh, we'll certainly see over the course of this weekend as he retires as a Philly. Uh,
0: absolutely. And, and that whole sequence, you know, of leading from the Myers walk to, to Rollins also walking to, to, to finally getting CC. Now, the thing about CC Sabathia in 2008. The, the Brewers were basically using him on a, sh- on a day's rest short every single time. So he ended up making 35 starts for the season. Nobody usually gets to that. Usually you're a little bit short of that. But uh, but he ended up making 35 starts in 2008 because the Brewers were using him not every fifth day, but every fourth day, and he put on a tremendous performance for those those Brewers. He made 17 starts, seven complete games, Right? Is it the, that's who who does seven ple- complete games in yeah. a year? But but seven of his seventeen starts complete games, and he pitched to a one six five ERA, going eleven and two. So that was that was some um, devastating CC Sabathia, and of course, famously, he joins the two thousand nine Yankees. But we're not going to talk about that. Uh, so, <laughs> so 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 we're then talk cu- about that next year. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. What then is the moment for you?
2: Uh, The number one moment obviously has to be Matt Stairs' pinch hit home run in the uh, NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers. I remember the day Pat Gillick acquired Matt Stairs. It was August 30th. Jeff Jenkins was on the disabled list, so he was kind of viewed as a replacement. I think Jason Stark wrote an article back then kind of saying he's going to slide into that role. And I thought this is someone with a ton of pop that has been around the block. This is an addition that could pay dividends down the stretch because, of course, the Phillies were not locked to make the playoffs in 2008. They still needed to get into the playoffs, so they needed that final month. But I did not see this coming. He stepped up against Jonathan Broxton, who was one of the better relievers in the sport at that time. And I'm not sure in the history of baseball there have been five balls squared up more than that ball was. Uh, in my estimation, it, it's the most important home run in Phillies history because they lose that game. It's two to two. I believe that that would have been game four. So game five still would have been in Los Angeles. You don't know how that goes if the Dodgers had taken the first two games in L.A. Um, but with Matt Stairs' home run, it basically ended it. Jimmy Rollins came out, hit a leadoff home run in game five of the NLCS, uh, and that was about that. So. It was really a turning point in that series, the same way Jimmy Rollins' walk-off, double, triple, whatever they scored it as a year later was. It was that turning point where it became clear that the Phillies had taken a stranglehold on the series and were going to win the National League pennant.
0: So here's where I had a little bit uh, of a different perspective than you when I made my list. So I actually, I actually had the Eric Kinski swing where he struck out to, for the Phillies to win the World Series. I put that number one. You know, that just seemed like that, that was something when I watched it happen, seemed like it happened in slow motion. And I, uh, you know, I, I lived near Frankfurt and Cotman at the time, so you can imagine where I went right after it happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, Harry Callis on my, my stereo system cranked up, uh, my first HGTV, you know, was this 30 inch, uh, actually like made of glass and, and had a been it, it. <laughs> but um but but that was uh, that was that was the moment. So what, how come that was not on your list?
2: Yeah, I guess in many ways I, I remember that moment. Like you said, slowing down. I was in my parents' basement. We saw the TV with like one of those heavy TVs that had a back to it. So we we weren't on the level that you were on technology wise. I remember my dad, who's not from Pennsylvania, so he's not a Philadelphia sports fan, but a baseball fan, and he was. He just said the Phillies just won the World Series, kind of like announcing it, even though we were all sitting there. And I just remember thinking, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were watching Turk Wendell pitch for the Phillies. So I don't know why it wasn't on my list. Maybe I don't view that as a moment, although it doesn't make sense that I wouldn't view it. I guess I just view it as too obvious of a moment, but I don't have any issue with that going on the list and pushing like Joe Bland's home run off. The thing is, I feel like we see the replay of a lot of these plays. You see the replay of Matt Stairs hitting the home run, I think, more frequently than the 2008 World Series. You might even see Shane Victorino's home run replayed more than the last moment of the World Series that year. Uh, you certainly hear the Harry Callis call as much, but you don't always see video of it.
0: Now, I had a, an honorable mention on my list. Uh, it doesn't really count, or maybe it does, but certainly there's something to be said for the parade. Now, um down in Philadelphia that day, one it was really hard to get around, <laughs> so everybody descending on public transportation. Uh, you know, uh, I ended up watching it from the link eventually. That's where I ended up, where they where they did their 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 parade uh, around. Now I wasn't there live because Citizens Bank Park had the um, had the first batch where Chase least spoke, and of course he uttered those famous words that we are not going to say on this family podcast. Right, but, but that just seems to be the catchphrase that ended up being uh, what people say when they talk about the world champion Phillies.
2: Yeah, it's certainly easy to mix that in. I guess that moment since the Eagles parade and Jason Kelsey's speech has been watered down a little bit, but certainly it was kind of a celebration of the first uh, pro sports title in 25 years in Philadelphia and the first Phillies title in 28 years. So it was a special day. It was on Halloween so it, it was just a fun time of the year.
0: Absolutely, and and certainly one for the ages. And we shall see just how many people come out this weekend to to celebrate this this World Series team. And I I would I would like to think that it's going to be a pretty special weekend at Citizens Bank Park.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I, that, that's exactly what I'm expecting. I think it'll be sold out, and perhaps, assuming the Phillies don't fall out of contention this weekend. Uh, it, it'll be kind of ushering in the next era of the ballpark selling out consistently. So that would be a pretty cool way to turn the page on that era into the next great chapter of Phillies baseball.
0: Tim, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks as always, Frank.
0: And so hopefully you'll get a chance to to enjoy some of this Phillies World Series champion reunion weekend. couple closing thoughts before I sign off for the day. First, Jason Worth. I would expect that Philadelphia fans cheer for Jason Worth. You know what? When he was on the Nationals, he was the enemy. He had to play the role of the enemy, but he's not a Washington National anymore. So I would expect that Phillies fans cheer Jason Worth. And, and really, I think they still will. You know, I, I was thinking back to at the close of the vet. I was there for that. Everybody thought that Von Hayes was going to get booed. Mr. 5-for-1 in Philly's history. Phillies traded five players for him. And he never lived up to the potential that, that many people thought that they had. So, if they cheer for Von Hayes, I would expect that they cheer for Jason Worth, Because, let's face it, he is there to be a Philly, right? He's not there to be a national. Secondly... Something I never, ever, ever understood was that some Phillies fans would boo Greg Dobbs. And I know some people say, oh, why, he, he stinks." blah, 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 blah. Greg Dobbs, okay, he set the Phillies all-time pinch hit record en route to the Phillies winning the World Series. So if you're not going to cheer for the guy whose pinch hits were those which got the Phillies where they did. And, and, and listen, Greg Dobbs had some really big hits that year. I think he is one of the more underappreciated Phillies of that 2008 bunch. In 2008, look at those of these numbers. He batted 301. All right. Now this was not 2007. Now 2007 he batted 272. But if you remember back to two, 2007, West Helms wasn't doing well, and uh, Abe Nunez was also there at third base. He ended up being like the left-handed platoon of third base, kind of because they didn't have anybody. Well, guess what? 2008, they had Pedro Feliz. Third base was covered, and it was covered very, very well. So this is mostly pinch hitting. All right, Dobbs was in 128 games in 2008, and he had four two 240 Plate appearances. All right, so that means yeah, he had some starts here and there. Okay, and he and he played all over the diamond for them. Okay, so looking at this, he looks like he played uh, right field. He played left field. He played first base. He was a designated hitter, and he looks like uh, yeah, third base, right field, left field, first base. All right, so he played a lot around the diamond for that team. But the pinch hits is something which he will go down in Philly's history as having the most in a season. On way en route to a World Series championship, batting 301 OPS, 824. Pretty s- significant numbers for a guy off of your bench. Now, why do Phillies boo him? Fans boo him. 2010, he did not have a good year. Let's face it. He batted ended up batting 196. In 2010. And then he ended up joining the Marlins in 2011. And, um, you know, he didn't really have a season that poor until 2014, when which ultimately was his last year. He batted 171 that year, splitting between the Marlins and, and the Nationals. But but there is absolutely no reason to boo Greg Dobbs. 2010, he didn't kill him a whole lot. They won the World Series in 2008 because of his pinch hits. Let's leave it at that. In terms of anybody else that might get a, a an interesting reception, you know, there there are actually a lot of Phillies not coming to this reunion. Uh, so one name that you might boo <laughs> would, be, would be Adam Eaton. Uh, Adam Eaton, of course, famously came for his World Series ring, even though he did not make the postseason roster, and then he was cut by the Phillies after the season. He will not be at the reunion. This time, okay. So there's no there's no reason to be mad at him for coming, and a couple of names that are not coming. I, I also saw Rudy Sayanez is not coming. He just did okay. I mean, it wasn't his best year again. That was kind of his his end of end of career destination, and he ended up not in the uh, postseason roster anyway. So, and then of course there's some guys here and there that won't be able to make it. Uh, you know. Uh, Matt Stairs, of course, he's a, a coach with the San Diego Padres, so he's not going to be able to make it, uh, as one might expect. Uh, but but Chris Chris Cost is one who is unable to to attend, and um, you know he has a a pretty good coaching job himself. Uh, and that's why you don't see him on post game or anything like that anymore. So, uh, but it should be a tremendous weekend. We'll be really neat to see all the 2008 Phillies back together again, and enjoy the memories thanks for joining me this week i hope you have a wonderful alumni weekend so that means we'll be back on monday of next week for our usual time slot but we couldn't pass up this opportunity hope you have a good one